Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We are back talking with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. He's joining the show to talk, of course, all about USC football. Answer all your questions for the podcast. If you have any questions for us, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or leave a voicemail by calling 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. Or go to website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. You can leave a voicemail right from our website. So it's a lot of ways to get a hold of us. We do love to hear from you. We've got some questions today that the coach is going to answer. Uh, if you want to get subscribed to the podcast, you go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. Also search for us, Peristyle Podcast on Google Play. If you have an Android, if you're on Audio Boom, if you're on Stitcher Radio, just search Peristyle Podcast. You can find us just about anywhere. And uh, let's welcome in the coach. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. That's at Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach Harvey Hyde? How are you? Well, I had a beautiful weekend. Uh, took a quick trip up to Fresno and had a big barbecue out at the ranch and uh, had a lot of fun. Turned around and came back and uh, went to a birthday party for Larry Stewart. I don't know how many people remember Larry Stewart, who wrote for the Los Angeles Times and Herald Examiner for many years and had a chance to run into a lot of colleagues who work in the media area. And it was just a great evening. I uh, had it in Arcadia and uh, it was good seeing Bob Miller, of course, play-by-play play for the Kings. And, and of course, Chris Roberts. I know a lot of people say, Chris Roberts, that's UCLA. Yeah, that's UCLA. <laughs> but but he was there along with a lot of others. Uh, so it was a nice evening, and I came home, and here we go again. It's another Monday. Another Monday, another po- show on the Peristyle Podcast. We ended up doing three shows last week. I might do it again this week. We'll see. Um, we'll get you know we'll get to these questions with the coach, uh, Coach Harvey Hyde. I want to thank our sponsor, before we jump in, Southern California tickets, go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, check them out on sctickets.com. They'll help you out. They help out me. They help out the coach. Um, anything you need, ticket-wise, go to sctickets.com and they will definitely help you. And uh, coach, I just want to check in. So what's it, what are you feeling like right now You know, with the fall camp? Getting closer, just you know, days away now. We're just counting down the days until fall camp is here. Uh, what's the what's the anticipation for you right now as far as the season goes? Well, I'm I'm sitting back and uh, sort of hoping nobody uh, sustains any type of serious injuries in the workouts that are going on, and I'd more or less uh, tone it down a little bit and let their bodies rest. Um, sometimes you're around each other too much. And all of a sudden, you get tired of looking at the same guys. Because you're going to be around uh, everybody, including coaches. Now, coaches are on vacation. They're coming back. But players have been seeing each other all the time. So sometimes they need a little break from that. And uh, you want to make sure everybody's eligible. And you want to make sure everybody's ready to go. And uh, right now, you're a little scared as a coach. Uh, You've been reading all the publications, and you're seeing the others schools and how they're doing in their 2017 recruiting class, which is sort of scary what Ohio State and Alabama is doing. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
you sit back and you say, you know, we got to gear it up in a lot of areas, not only playing great football, look at our schedule, the number one toughest schedule in the country. And we got to get our recruiting going. We got to decide on the quarterback. We got to see how our defensive line is doing. Is our offensive line ready to really produce like they should be? You're going through a lot of questions now. Who's going to be our receivers? How are we going to play our receivers? We're going to face another type of stamper in UCLA. I had a chance to spend some time with Jim Moore last week, sit down and talked about his offense and defense and what he's planning on doing. And uh, you're going to see another Stanford with UCLA. I mean, I'm not giving any secrets away, but camp is starting. So uh, it's going to be a whole different thing. You're going to see two backs. You're going to see an eye. You're going to see ISIL. You're going to see blast. You're going to see power. See a lot of different things over to UCLA. And he's pretty optimistic and, Media day is over with, and the media day has selected UCLA to win the South. That doesn't mean anything, really. That's just something that you shoot for and something that makes you feel good, but that didn't win any games. So you got ready to go, and uh, that's the way I feel. I'm looking forward to practice. I'm looking forward to football season. Looking forward to some new shows that I'll be doing that I hope to announce here on our podcast here shortly for USC football on the air. And uh, Ryan will go from there. Yeah, let's uh let's go from there. It's it, it's really this is kind of the time where you're just anticipating. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a day or so before Christmas Eve and you're a little kid and the presents are you know they're somewhere hidden in the attic or whatever. <laughs> you're just waiting. Um but yeah, it's it's getting closer. You can feel it, you can sense it. Uh NFL practices are starting soon. The summer workouts are winding down. Fall camp's about to start. So, it's a really exciting time around USC football. Coaches like you said coming back from vacation. And you know, a lot of people, you know, the anticipation for Clay Helton's first full season is pretty high. There's a lot of mixed reviews, and we just won't know. We're not going to know a whole lot till we kind of get to see them out there in pads with the full, you know, roster with all the new freshmen and get a sense of what this team is going to be like. So it should be really interesting. Um, our buddy Tarek wrote in, coach, and he always has. I like his questions. They're they're concise. They're very short, but they're usually, you know, they make you think. Um, Tarek wants to know from you. Based on what you've seen so far, do you think USC as a team has any glaring weaknesses? Well, I just sort of mentioned that. I think there's a lot of question marks. I don't know if there are weaknesses. A depth problem on the defensive line and the performance of these young players uh, playing the number one uh, schedule in the, the country defensive schedule. Or, you know, the schedule. Total schedule is something that concerns me when you don't have depth. Um not having a named quarterback concerns me. Uh, glaring weaknesses? No, I don't think they have any glaring weaknesses. I think they have an unproven kicking game. I'm waiting to see what John Baxter does there. I think their kicking game really needs to pick up and improve as far as percentages of field goals, le- uh, length of field goals, percentages of kickoffs going into the end zone, punts, uh, all of that portion of the kicking game is something that concerns me because it hasn't been what I think a great kicking game as far as for what USC should be. And uh, I think those are the main things. I mean, I, the, you don't look at a lot of glaring weaknesses at USC. You look at USC as one of the top football programs in the country, and you shouldn't have any glaring weaknesses. You might by, be have a little concern here or there, but everybody has a concern here or there. So uh, I would think that you've got to go in and attack the areas where you have your concerns 
and you've got to improve those areas, and you've got to play one game at a time. You can't play the whole season at one time. People ask me, how's SC going to go this year, 8-5, and 9-1, whatever, 10-1, whatever the total games are, 12 games. And I say, you know, you've got to play one game at a time. Got to start strong. And I really think the Alabama game is the key to the whole season. You can lose the Alabama game. Now, don't get me wrong when I say you can lose it. You're going to try to win it, obviously. But if you play well against them, you build a sense of confidence and you feel that you're, you're there. You're playing against one of the number one team or two team in the country. You've got to really make sure you don't embarrass yourself in that first game, which you're going to lose a lot of confidence. Come back to 11 a.m. kickoff at the Coliseum, which is, you know, I don't know why they play at that time, but they are for the Pac-12 network. And then they have to go to Stanford. So I think you really have to play well in that opening game. And that's the only game, the only thing I'd be thinking of is playing well against Alabama. We've got to show up. We've got to play well. We can't beat ourselves. If they're the best team, they've got to beat us. We don't want them or assist them in beating us. We got to tackle well. We got to coach well. We got to do all the things because they're intimidated as much about USC as USC is at Alabama. Don't think they're not. They're scared playing USC. USC has that reputation and has great players. So it's going to be a great battle. And, you know, in a great battle, unfortunately, some team has to lose because of the overtime period before that could be a tie. But that's over with now. So you got to go down there understanding that uh, this is what it's all about. The opening game of the year is something you really work for, and you've been working for it the entire offseason because of the traditions of these two teams. So I really think that's key. I don't think there's any glaring weakness. Why should you have a glaring weakness at USC? There's no excuse for that. But you can have concerns. And I talked about a couple of my concerns there. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, you know, people talk about, well, is this position weak or that? And, you know, you've seen plenty of times, coach, where a team where you look at and say, oh, okay, there, a bunch of linebackers are making great plays. They weren't, you know, super talented linebackers. They weren't guys that are going to go to the NFL. They might be on a team that's, you know, uh, you know, a Mountain West team or whatever, but they play well as a unit. And to me, it's not, you know, I think at USC, because of all the five-star talent, you kind of look at, how good is this guy? How good is this guy? How good is this guy? The thing you really don't know, I mean, USC has a lot of talent. There's a lot of four and five star guys on the team. I don't know if you'd say glaring weakness. This one's a little, you know, the defensive line. Maybe there's not as many bodies, whatever, things like that. But we just don't know how the unit's going to play together. You can have great individual players that are out on the field. And we've seen this too many times, I think, in the last several years from USC where they're not necessarily playing together as a unit. So, I mean, maybe the, the weakness is how well are they going to all play together? How well are you going to utilize the talent that's already there? We're just not really sure at this point because you have, you know, inexperienced head coach, a new offensive coordinator, new defensive line coach. I, it's hard to tell how everyone's going to kind of come together until you see them start playing games. You know, maybe some fall camp, but how they start playing games. And the key, obviously, being Alabama, you got to come out of the shoot and start playing well right away and it might take some time for this team to start gelling and playing well but there's really no time when you start off with Alabama and then you have Stanford and Utah soon after that you're right but that's what coaching's all about and you've got to coach them up and you've got to understand the challenges you got to understand who you are and you've got to you know correct the, the weaknesses or the way you probably are lost games last year by beating yourself 
by breakdowns in the secondary or missed tackle or drop pass or uh, not utilizing the clock on a two-minute drill or whatever. Uh, so, you know, this is part of coaching, getting it together. This is what you get paid for. And that's why uh, you're at USC. You're supposed to be qualified to be able to teach the kids, and the kids go there to win championships. So you put it together to make sure you can perform. And the number one thing you want to make sure you do is be on the same page, play together as a team, not have jealousies. And uh, everyone loses, everybody wins, everybody prays together, everybody cries together, everybody gets championship rings together, whatever. I mean, uh, your broadcasting team is a, as important to the team as the team members. Everybody's got to be a part of the package. And when everybody buys into that and believes, then you, you're ready to play. And I think yeah, these are the pieces that need to be put together on and off the field, not just on the field, but all parts of all parts of the athletic department, all parts of the university, all parts of the alumni, everything. That's all part of the team, and sometimes people forget that. You're all part of the team. Yeah, Coach. It's funny. You know, how many times did you say, well, you know, this team would have won except – that linebacker they had was a three star and he wasn't a five star. <laughs> it's like, it's usually some kind of scheme, some kind of how well they play together. Not like, well, that one guy just wasn't, he wasn't as good enough of an athlete. That happens sometimes, but for the most part, it doesn't seem to work that way. No, you're right. And you can't blame it on the kid because the kid's put in playing the game because you put him there. If the kid can't uh, take care of the position or do what he's necessary to do, then that's not the kid's fault. The kid's trying and giving you a hundred percent. So uh, you've got to make sure you uh, recruit the talent that fits your system, and they perform. You know, sometimes you make a highlight film showing all your great plays all year. But it's not bad to make a film that you show to your team maybe five or six plays where you broke down and cost your ball game. You say, look here. Look what we did here by someone trying to cover up somebody else's position and not taking care of their own. But look here how we forgot this coverage when we did this blitz or look here when we went the wrong way or look here on this block uh, where we didn't pick up the stunt. You know, on the five or six plays to remind people that it's so important uh, to play the play call, do what your assignment is. So there's so much behind putting a winning program together, but at USC, you've got to do that. And people expect that. And people play, pay big bucks uh, donations to the university and uh, want to see that. So, uh, you know, that's part of being at USC and, and other universities like them. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on, Coach. We got Neil in Manila. We love when Neil writes in. He said, would Adoree Jackson switching to safety uh, and being something like an Earl Thomas be a good idea? He played well at safety last year. Thanks and fight on. You guys are the best. Neil and Manila. Well, Neil, I don't know uh, that. Um, I've always felt he's a corner. I was always felt. I've always felt that he's moved around and hurt himself by doing and playing too many positions. Uh, make up your mind if he's going to be a safety, then put him there. If I'm a coach in the secondary, you know, when I start practice in the fall, I sort of have a feeling on who's going to play what. If I don't know that by this time, then man, what have I been doing? I mean, I know who my corners are. I knew who my safeties are. And normally I don't move anybody around unless someone gets injured. I know what our defenses are going to be against certain type of formations or teams that we play, Stanford and 
you know, some of these other teams, Oregon, had completely different offenses. And same with the defenses. It's uh, offense as far as what you're going to do to balance out the defenses, where you can put your skilled kids against theirs. So, you know, uh, moving a Dory around, I don't, I don't think that's good for him. And as you've heard me say, I thought he declined this last year. He got tired and he got beat and they weren't afraid to throw at him or run at him. And he gets beat up. He's not a big guy. My first thing to do, set a tight end that way and hope he'd be there and run at him the whole time. Make him a tackle all the time. Uh, there's strengths and weaknesses of every kid. You want to, you don't want to attack a defense uh, with the kid's strength. You want to attack, attack it with maybe his weaknesses, if he has any. So, uh, you know, uh, I think that uh, uh, you just got to be ready to play, and I'd leave him where he is, but of course I'm not the coach. And if they decide to put him at safety, there's got to be a reason. Yeah, it's a, you know, he... Uh... He kind of stayed his same football weight when he did the track stuff. He wanted to get down to like 170. He's 180. He, you know, and his metabolism is crazy. I, you know, he was eating a lot of food and still going to stay at 180. I just don't see him getting a lot bigger. Um, you know, maybe he does some nickel stuff or whatever. I just, I, I don't know. I don't see that being a permanent thing. I think he's long term as a cornerback. I think they're going to use him more on defense this year and more exclusively on defense and, you know, maybe do the punt returns, but not kickoffs and, and not as much on offense. So I, I think there's some, some good opportunities there for him to just kind of focus. Cause I think he played better as a corner as a freshman than as a sophomore. So I think it's going to be a lot more focused on quarterback this year, coach. And I think it'll help his game. I agree with you. And I'm not saying he's not an exciting player on offense when he touches the ball, but you know, on other plays, if he's not touching the ball, he's uh, outmanned as far as a blocker. So you've got to make sure that he can excel not on just one play, but all plays. And you can't have tendencies in your offense that every time he goes in, he's going to touch the ball. So, you know, I'd leave him over there and let him learn the coverages and become a strong secondary player. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to um, our buddy Klain in Seattle. He says, I was hoping you could ask the coach to review the concept of the 5-2 defense and then could you extrapolate on the middle linebacker position specifically who do you see filling uh the two positions and what are the qual- uh, qualities uh of these players that coach Pendergast is looking for so I'm I guess the two inside maybe he's talking about the inside linebackers there or um but yeah so as far as the 5-2 defense coach maybe kind of explain that a little bit and and what the middle linebacker's job is in that well uh a 5-2 defense, basically, is you have three down linemen, two outside defensive ends, or, or you can call them, defend, depending what you call them, tackles or ends, and you got linebackers. You can have four linebackers. You have four linebackers, or you call them defensive, and I call them linebackers. You have, uh, we used to say weak side linebacker. I don't like that. I call it quick side linebacker inside, quick like linebacker outside. I hate to name anything weak side. And then you have the strong side of the side that plays towards the tight end of the more power sets. And your your bigger linebacker who, when they have a tight end, can play over the tight end, and is more physical, more physical as far as taking on the run with these big tight ends. Now, the way you balance it out is you go to too tight, or a tight slot with a big receiver, and now you got to play a straight up defense because uh, you now balance it out. So, you know, it depends what you're doing. Now, n- normally the nose guard is a guy that plays right over the center. 
and is responsible for the gaps each side of him. But the number one thing, too, he wants to smash the center every time to free the linebackers up. He can't, uh, he doesn't want anybody getting out. Linebackers normally play on the outside shoulder of the guards, read the guards, and uh, depending on what the defensive tackles or defensive ends do, it depends on what his assignment is. If they're slanting down or going to the inside, then he has the outside gap. If they're going outside, then he steps up and takes the inside gap. So they're all responsible for gaps, no matter what's going on. Uh, uh, normally, you have a more physical linebacker, like I mentioned, uh, like Cameron Smith on the strong side and someone on the other side. Quentin Powell is somebody that's quicker and faster and can cover backs out of the backfield and so on. But now today, everybody catches the ball. The defensive ends uh, or outside linebackers, uh, I used to use them a lot on stunts, bringing him, covering they got to be able to run to uh, run also because they got to cover backs in the flat sometimes, and they got to be able to pass rush or uh, read screens and take a back man man to man. So they got a very difficult position. But I used to stunt with those guys a lot, bringing the tackles outside and bringing them inside gaps. I used to like to go outside. I like to stunt a lot, but you also got to learn how to play the toughest defense first. The toughest defense first is to play a base defense where everybody takes care of their responsibility. I used to say we're never going to stun until we learn how to play base, which means we're going to line up, we're going to play our position, and uh, just play base. Now, after we learn how to play base defense with our responsibilities, now we'll add some of the other stuff into the D offense or the defense that, that helps us and confuses the offense. So it's very important that you learn to play a base defense, and then you add your stunts, and there's all inside stunts, uh, outside stunts, twists. Uh, there's so many different things you can do, which I like doing, but again, uh, that's making defense fun because the guys like to do that and attack and fake it and then don't go and then go and don't fake It's all so many different things you can do, and it confuses the offensive line, and sometimes the offensive line jumps off sides or has a question mark on who they're going to block. Then the secondary is always a four deep. No matter what you do, you run a four deep with that. And then you bring a guy up in the box if you need to, and you have a, uh, an eight-man front and show it and then don't show it. Because right now in all of these run-read defenses and so on, they read the strong safety. They want to know where he is. Sometimes they'll run the play, pull the ball out, and, and pass the ball while it's he's starting to fill. They'll throw slant routes right back of him. So it's very difficult play defense today because the defense really has a disadvantage in playing offenses with all the rules favor the offense as far as pass interference and uh, targeting and not that targeting shouldn't be governed but all of that different stuff so uh, uh, that's basically it without getting too technical it's a good defense that's a defense I ran I like that defense uh, ran it in junior college ran it in high school ran it at UNLV, we ran it everywhere. Now the 4-3 is good defense, too. Gives you more of a physical type of front and more of a, a run type of defense, which you have bigger guys, four big guys, rather than three big guys in there, and you can do both. But you don't want to do too much where you confuse yourself and you beat yourself. So you really run it around your personnel, too. You recruit to that. And if you don't have down linemen, it's pretty difficult to run a four-man front because you can't, you, you, you don't have the players to play down. So you've got to play a defense, and, and I think the 52, or what, what, he, what USC is doing, I think is right for them. All right. Let's, uh, we're going to go to Martin in Ontario, California. 
He says, uh, you guys do a great job. Uh, great job on the side. Keep up the ex- outstanding work. You provide the best insight to USC football, other sports, and behind the scene at USC. Well, thanks for that, Martin. He says, I have two questions. First, so I'll give you one at a time, Coach. First, does SC absolutely have to have a quarterback recruit in this class if Max Brown is named the starter with Darnold and and Fink ending up being behind Brown? What do you think, Coach? Should they recruit someone else for this class? Well, you wouldn't think they would have to. It's not an absolute uh absolute uh, need, uh, especially if Brown starts his days. you got Darnold and you got Fink now because Fink, why would you scholarship Fink unless you thought he was a player? I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong when I say is he or isn't he. I don't know. But he should be a player or yeah. he shouldn't be on the roster at USC. So they'll redshirt Matt and they're hoping he'll be a player. So if you have those three quarterbacks, it's not an absolute must. As long as they're all staying, they're healthy, and everything's fine. Now, there are a couple of players out there that if you can get them, it'd be great. But why would you go to USC if you're a quarterback getting this kid from Old Christian? I mean, this kid's a great player. And uh, if he's committed and he's recruiting for USC, so this kid's coming in too. Now, there's a what's that kid's name? Sears, is it, at Sacramento? Uh, Jack Sears, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, he's a great player, too. But would he go to USC? He hadn't committed anywhere yet. But would he go to USC knowing that knowing the kid from Old Christian would come? Ryan, would, would you think he would? Uh, no, I mean, it's potential there. It's hard It's hard to say at this point. I mean, they're certainly recruiting him hard. But it's uh, the quarterback recruiting has been very interesting for USC because, you know, Matt Fink was – was not someone that the you know was super high on the list early on. Um, this year, this class, I mean, that some of the guys they're going after uh, didn't seem to be able to get. You know, the 2018, you know, getting a guy that you want, that's great. But it's just the last couple of years, coaches seem to be a little missed. I think I think what he's asking about is if it's not your dream guy, do you want to get him? So is Tua Tagovailoa or Jack Sears your dream guy? And if not, then you move on. But I think the coaches end up liking both of those guys, and if they can get one of them, they'll probably take them. I would agree there. I would agree there if it's a dream guy. I think they got to make a decision on who they want and go after them. I think it's sometimes too late. I think those other guys are definitely committed. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have to get on and make decisions on who you want earlier uh, and, and try to commit these guys. Uh, recently... Uh, I'm not trying to get in recruiting there or anything yet, Joe Martinez and you, of course, Ryan, and the rest of your staff. But I haven't seen any significant commitment, verbal commitment, to USC for a long period of time. Now, that concerns me. Now, Ryan, I don't know if it concerns you or Gerald or anybody, but it concerns me. All you get is decommits. So I just wonder sometimes what's happening there in your backyard. I mean, Davis to tackle and these other guys who should be enrolling at USC are going to Alabama, they're going to Ohio State, they're going different places. So I that's somewhat now that's a real concern that I have. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's uh, for this because of the new staff and everything, just the way it's going. My opinion is it's just recruiting will heat up more once the season gets going. I think that's going to be the case this year. So. It's a lot of this recruiting class to me, coach, is going to depend on wins and losses and how this team loses because it's kind of a wait and see mode. There was a lot of talk and there was hype and 
people are excited and I think that, you know, like members of the staff, but you don't really know what the product on the field is going to be like. So, um, you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I think the quarterback situation changes a lot if Max Brown doesn't get named a starter and transfers, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen. So I, I think it'll, it won't, we won't have any like big kind of news in my opinion until the season gets rolling. Well, you know, I think you're probably right there. But in the past, the way I look at USC, when you were offered a scholarship at USC, how long did you delay before you took it? Pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Quite an honor to go to USC and be a part of the tradition. Now it's, I'll wait and see and, and visit a few places. And they've had two, I think, haven't they had two decommits so far? And uh, they're pretty good players. That concerns me because once a guy commits to a university, it's pretty hard to turn him around if he's a good kid. I'm not saying they're not all good kids, but when a guy shook my hand and said, I'm coming, coach, that's why I think a verbal commit should mean more. I think you can, you should be able to sign him. He's gone. He's done. He made his decision. And, uh, and you move on. Because as a coach that got a verbal commit, uh, you're going to lose this kid. You're planning on him. You didn't go after anybody else. You promised him a scholarship, and then he changes his mind. So I think there's got to be a few uh, new rules and understandings on how, what a verbal commit means. It's definitely changed. The, uh, the the definition of all the recruiting terms have changed quite a bit. We talk about that with Gerard Martinez quite a bit on the uh, on the recruiting podcast, but it does. It's very it's very fluid. Um, he has one other question for you, Coach. He said, uh, does Clancy Pendergast have more say or control over who is recruited on defense now under Clay Helton compared to when Pendergast was a defensive coordinator under Lane Kiffin and a d- different philosophy being uh, as an ex-NFL coach compared to the last defensive coordinator in Wilson? What do you think on that, Coach? Well, it's impossible for me to know because I'm not on the staff to know just what leeway Kiffin or Clay Helton gives him, but I think he has to approve them. I think he has to look at every player and decide if they can play his scheme of defense. I think that's only uh, I think I, I should be in control of looking at who I'm going to coach and if they can perform to our limits. Uh, now, who has the final say? The head coach. Head coach always has the final say. As far as, yes, we're going to offer him, and I think the head coach should be the one offering. Now, today, the, the head coach doesn't always offer so if your kid being recruited and an assistant coach calls and offers you, what's your thought? Well, what the hell is the head coach doing? That's what I'd say. Why isn't he calling me? So I think the head coach has got to be more of a part of recruiting as far as being the lead guy as well as the guy that lets that kid know that you're playing for me and us and all of us. The assistant coaches are an arm to our hand, uh, to our body. So, uh, yeah, but I think Clancy should uh, have the say or or be a big part of the decision. Otherwise, uh, you know, what part or what what does he feel? Does he feel a part of it? And I think that he runs the defense with the coach's uh, approval, but I think the head coach, too, can tell him when to stunt, when not to stunt. Uh, Let's don't take a chance here. Uh, Go after him because we're not stopping him and do certain things like that, too, during the game. Yeah, now, you know, you know, again, if you want to go back to our, uh, show last week with Gerard Martinez, he kind of goes into some of the different members of the staff. I guess one of the big differences, coach, between this staff and maybe some of the last, you know, few with Pete Carroll and, 
Kiffin and Sarkeesian. I think there's a, there's more coaches on this staff that aren't really, you know, dynamic recruiters where it seemed like most of the coaches on the other staffs were everyone kind of had their recruiting niche and, and there's just more and, you know, on this, in this go around for whatever reason that are more focused on, you know, developing players as opposed to bringing in new ones. So that's a little bit of an adjustment for USC because I think USC fans are just so used to recruiting being like the end all be all. And all the coaches were just always gung ho, big, big time recruiters. And, you know, Clancy Pendergast is just one of those guys that isn't, uh, the most dynamic recruiter in the world. And that's not something that, you know, he wakes up every day looking to do. Um, so I think it's a little bit different. It's hard to say he was only here the last time for a year. Um, how much control he has. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's really hard to say, like coach was saying at this point, but that's really not his forte anyway. Recruiting's not the, the big feather in Clancy's cap. It's calling these defenses and running a great scheme. Well, you know, today recruiting is such a big part of, of kids and who they play for. I think uh, you've got to have your finger in everything. Uh, obviously, uh, maybe his personality isn't, isn't a recruiter. But he's got to, be, got to be conscientious enough to spend time and put it, not put it on the back burner because I can be the greatest coach in America. But if I don't have great players to coach, I'm not very good. So I think he understands that, and he's been on the NFL level. I don't think that makes any difference what level you're on, high school or anything. you got to be able to coach players. You're a great coach, but you're not a very good coach at all without great players. So I think you have to be very involved in recruiting as far as to motivate, select, evaluate, and then coach. So I think it's very important. No, I agree with you, Coach. All right, we got one last one for you. One last topic. It's our buddy Stephen Poway. He says, love the show as always. Thanks, Steve. Uh, was it Stanley Havili? So he's talking about the, uh, we were talking about the all-time true freshman team at USC. Who were the best true freshmen to ever play and contribute on the football team at USC? He says, was it Stanley Havili who you were thinking about but could not remember the name of the fullback uh, for the top freshman players discussion? And yes, it was. Uh, and I, I was buddies with, I liked Stanley a lot and I was completely blanking on his name. Uh, really cool dude. So yeah, he's, he's one of the guys I would have put on that all freshman team. And he said, one final okay. comment. I'm sorry. Was that, was that coach? No, I was just going to say, yes, it was. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. He was, he was definitely a stud. Um, one final comment about the all freshman team. These types of lists are fun. Uh, but fraught in many ways. In particular, it's difficult not to be biased by players post-freshman performance, just as a college football Hall of Fame is said to be biased towards including players who have had outstanding professional careers, thus making their college careers seem much better than they actually were. There is simply, uh, there's a similar problem that happens in reverse when players do not do well after college or after their freshman season, in this case. And this tarnishes people's perception of them uh, of how they were in college or as a freshman. Uh, but with these biases in mind, I thought a player who might not have made the top SC freshman list, but who I believe deserves to be there is RJ Soward. I remember well his blazing speed and who could forget his four touchdown game as a freshman against UCLA. Uh, the SC bio page says he averaged a touchdown every 4.7 times he touched the ball in 1996. Unfortunately, he seemed to lose interest in football, focusing more on his musical career at the time, uh, as time wore on, but he certainly deserves to be in the conversation for top true freshman at USC. Best, Stephen Poway. So get your thoughts on that, Coach. Well, I, I agree with you. You know, uh, when you have great performances like that, uh, 
and then you don't play uh, well after that, I think sometimes it, it fades away. And uh, especially after you graduate and you go in the NFL, maybe you don't make it in the NFL. There's uh, second thoughts about you, but you got to worry about what a kid does on the field when he's part of your team and part of your university. You can't worry about what he did afterwards. And, and I think a lot of people evaluate kids when they put them in the Hall of Fame and everything else on how did they do forever. Well, it's what you did there and at the time and how you contributed and all of the parts of uh, winning is. So, yeah, you know, just like all coaches, some of the greatest coaches in America never get a chance. And then some of the greatest players in America are overlooked and don't get a chance, are always a backup. And if they get their opportunity to play, then all of a sudden they're a great player. We've had many of those type of players. The running back that Orgeron started to play when Lane Kiffin didn't play him. Now what uh, was he with, Jacksonville or Carolina? I forget his name. What's the name of that? Kid? Bradford. Huh? Bradford? No. Um, I can't remember, but I'll think about it. Okay. Uh, he, he's just tearing them up, man. I mean, that, that's the way it is. And when he started playing, hell, he was a truck. So, you know, you always got to wait for your turn, and when your turn comes, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Alan Bradford or Buck Allen, one of those two. Is that who you're? Buck Allen. There you go. Okay. The truck. Buck Allen, man. He wasn't playing anything. He was a scout team running back. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the guy comes out and kicks everybody's butt. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was a good example there. All right. Well, Coach, good stuff. Good uh, SC football topics. As always, it was a lot of fun to uh, chat with you. And, I mean, next week it'll be a little different. Uh, you know, fall camp will be kicking off that week. Uh, following Thursday. So uh, it'll be kind of a fall camp preview episode. So if you guys have any questions, send them in podcast at uscfootball.com. But man, coach, it's, uh, it's a little crazy right now. and just, just, just can feel it. It's just almost here. I can't believe it when you just said what you said. I cannot believe that we're about a week away from fall camp, August the 4th. And what is it, 3 o'clock or 3.30, the first practice? Uh, I think the first one's 5 o'clock. I think they're doing late oh. ones. They're doing a late one. I got it down somewhere. I'll be there. All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. Thanks for tuning in. I mean, thanks for coming on the show. And everyone else, thank you much, very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll do at least one or two more this week. So it makes you st- make sure you stay tuned. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Follow the coach at Coach Harvey Hyde. But thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.